0: Welcome to the Good Morning Hamilton podcast. I'm Rick Zamprin, a team from McMaster launching a satellite into space. The cleanup of Shadow Creek is still on hold. Don't break the bank this March break. McMaster hosts the National Men's Volleyball Championship this week. Find out why you should keep tabs on your liver. And Illumi lightens up Toronto. The GMH podcast starts now.
1: This is the Good Morning Hamilton podcast on 900
0: CHML. Space has enthralled us for generations. We're fascinated by what's out there and how it may or may not impact us, whether it's comets or asteroids, other solar systems, stars, the sun, the planets, you name it. We're intrigued by it. And we're extremely interested in what is going to be happening tomorrow because a group of McMaster University students is getting ready to launch a satellite into orbit. And one of those students is joining us now on Good Morning Hamilton on 900 CHML. Jonathan Denzel is a fifth-year engineering student on New Dose's thermal team who's been working on this satellite since 2018. Jonathan, good morning. Welcome to the show. How are you?
2: Good morning, Mr. Rick. I'm doing very well. How are you?
0: I'm good. This is part of the McMaster Interdisciplinary Satellite Team, and the launch is set for tomorrow in Florida. What is this satellite going to do?
2: So this satellite is, uh, well, we designed the satellite around a payload, which is a radiation detector that can distinguish between charged and neutral particle radiation, Uh, And this is used to help us study the effects of ionizing radiation on the human body. So as as astronauts um, go on long-term missions to the moon and eventually to Mars, uh, we're very interested on uh, how the radiation affects our bodies long-term. So that's the purpose of the detector is to study that.
0: So how is this satellite going to detect that? And what kind of information is going to be relayed to the team back here
2: on Earth? So, uh, the detector is, is made up of two components. Uh, we have the inner tissue equivalent proportional counter, which is basically um, this gas-filled uh, membrane that emulates a human fat cell. And then around it is a plastic scintillator, which basically distinguishes between the charged neutral particle radiation. And the, um, the equivalent proportional counter in the center uh, counts that radiation. So, we're basically getting accounts of uh, the radiation dose that a typical human fat cell would experience in orbit.
0: So, is this satellite going to be attached to the International Space Station, and if so, are astronauts going to just get scanned, or how does it detect the radiation in their body?
2: Oh, that's a great question. So, um, the satellite will actually be uh, launched to the International Space Station, where it will live for about three to four months, just in storage, and then an astronaut will deploy it into orbit. So, it'll not be Studying the astronauts on the International Space Station, but it'll be studying um, the radiation uh, environment in low Earth orbit as it um, orbits the Earth. And how long is it going to be there? It'll be uh, in orbit for around two years, and we expect it to uh, deorbit and burn up in the Earth's atmosphere uh, due to atmospheric drag. So. The mission timeline is around one to two years.
0: Uh, Jonathan Densel is our guest on Good Morning Hamilton on 900 CHML, fifth-year engineering students on New Dose's thermal team that's been working on the satellite since 2018. You are on your way to Florida this morning to see the launch. How is this satellite going to be launched into orbit? What do you expect to see?
2: So I'm very excited because this is my first rocket launch uh, in person. And we're going to Cape Canaveral to watch the resupply mission of uh, SpaceX CRS 27 uh, to the International Space Station. So it'll go up on a Falcon 9 rocket um, along with some other CubeSats and the rest of the rocket payload. Um, and then it'll reach the International Space Station and it'll stay there for around three to four months waiting for an astronaut to deploy it.
0: So, what are you feeling? I mean, this is, you've been working on this for ages. What are some of the thoughts that are going through your mind?
2: Oh, I am, I am super excited. This is, it's almost overwhelming. Um, because I joined the team in 2018 and seeing the whole satellite progress and develop, um, throughout the years. Um, and then finally the culmination, seeing it launch into space. It's, it's really exciting to see all the hard work and dedication of the whole team. Um, the team started in 2015 uh, with a small core group of scientists and engineers and has exploded since then to over 100 students and it's just a great opportunity to learn and to experience the space industry you know before you even graduate so it's a, an amazing opportunity and i'm so thankful to be part of it
0: that's a lot of hands on a device that is going to do some pretty interesting work
2: yeah we have many different um, we call them sub teams and basically they're teams that are responsible for different components or aspects of the satellite so um electrical power system command and data handling communications thermal and mechanical payload um so we have a lot of very smart brilliant people working on these teams to try and solve the different issues that are associated with making a satellite operate in orbit
0: our guest on good morning hamilton on 900 CHML jonathan densel fifth year engineering student at mcmaster university who's on new doses thermal team it's been working on this satellite since 2018 it launches tomorrow do we do we have a launch time
2: yeah, it'll be launching at eight thirty PM. Um and we're hoping that it launches on time and there isn't any delays with the launch. Um and we'll have a very successful time there.
0: And is that eight thirty PM tonight or tomorrow night?
2: It's tomorrow night, the fourteenth. Okay. And how long does it take to get there? Uh it takes I'm not too sure how long it takes for the, the SpaceX rocket to get to the International Space Station. It's going to get there when it gets there. <laughs>
0: yeah, yeah. <laughs> when, uh, when do you expect some of the data to be relayed to you guys down Earth, and, and what are you going to do with that data?
2: So um, once the satellite is in storage on the International Space Station, it'll live there for about three to four months um, until an astronaut deploys it into orbit. And uh, after that time... We have a 30-minute counter that basically puts the system on hold um, before it boots up the satellite so that we don't interact with the International Space Station or damage in any way once our antennas deploy. And then we'll be collecting radiation data, and the data uh, will be downlinked uh, to our ground station at McMaster University on top of the uh, ITB building, uh, where we'll be able to process it and study it and um, get an idea of what the ionizing doses for uh, for typical astronauts.
0: Last one for you, and we got about uh, a minute. You were part of the thermal team. So what was your
2: job? So my role is, uh, so I was leading the thermal team uh, since 2019, and we're basically responsible for ensuring that the satellite is able to operate uh, within the extreme temperatures of low Earth orbit. So the temperatures can vary from negative you know negative 50 degrees Celsius all the way to over 100 degrees Celsius, and so Making sure that all the electrical components and the payload and the detector is able to survive the temperatures and, and work effectively is, is uh, very important. So we design thermal solutions and run simulations to, to ensure all that's possible.
0: Pretty cool stuff, Jonathan. Congratulations getting this far. Good luck with the launch tomorrow night and uh, best of luck tracking this as well.
2: Thank you so much, Mr. Rick. Thank you for having me.
0: That is Jonathan Densel, fifth-year engineering student at McMaster University, part of New Dose's thermal team who's been working on this satellite since 2018. Launch time, 8.30 p.m. tomorrow night. That should be a lot of fun.
1: You're listening to the Good Morning Hamilton podcast from 900 CHML.
0: of Hamilton has been uh, under some pressure to clean up Shadow Creek after it wasn't too long ago that we found out that 24 billion liters of sewage was inadvertently spilled into that watershed. And so the city has a plan to clean up that area. But there's a new twist in this, and that is that the Ministry of Environment wants the work done much quicker than originally planned. The original deadline was to have targeted dredging done by the end of this year. That's been moved up though, to August 31st. And the city's like, whoa, that's a little too quick. Nick Winters is the director of water for the city of Hamilton and joins us now on Good Morning Hamilton on 900 CHML. Nick, good morning. Welcome back to the show. Good morning, Rick. Thanks very much for having me. How this is obviously three months earlier than the December 31st deadline. Why is that a a number or a date that is illogical for the city of Hamilton and the contractors that would be doing this work?
3: Yeah, it just comes down to the schedule and our ability to meet that August 31st deadline. Um, that would require us to start in-water dredging work in May, uh, which we all know, being residents of Ontario, can be a pretty unpredictable uh, month from a weather perspective. And this is a process, uh, a project that's subject to delays from uh, wet weather, heavy rains coming through that creek. Uh, and there's a number of other factors that could lead to uh, to some delays, including you know, something as simple as, as uh, encountering something buried in the sediment that we're trying to remove that's unexpected. And that could be, you know, buried tree limbs, uh, rocks, things of that nature. Uh, all things that happen in this type of project, but they do add time to the schedule. So um, at this point, we're just not confident that we would be able to meet that August 31st deadline.
0: Give us a sense of how this dredging project works. The, obviously, we're trying to get all this sewage out of Shadow Creek. How, how do you do that? Yeah, it's a really interesting
3: process. Um, it's a it's a hydraulic dredging machine, and and what that means is it sits on top of the water, uh, and what it has attached to it essentially is an underwater snowblower. Um, it's probably the best comparison, and it's churning up the sediment uh, at the bottom of the creek and sucking that uh, that mixed up sediment through a pipeline. Uh, into what we call the dredging material management area. So this is a, an area where the solids are removed from the slurry that's created uh, and the uh, the liquids are allowed to um, drain and be pumped to our wastewater treatment plant while all the solids are collected uh, over time and uh, and eventually dried out and
0: taken away. Sounds like a, yeah, very neat process. I'm not sure how it all works. I can kind of picture it in my mind. But, you know, anytime you do something underwater, like things get disrupted and disturbed and stuff's floating all over the place. So it'd be interesting to see it uh, firsthand. Uh, there is another obstacle at play here, and that is um, some in the local indigenous community have um, uh, been voting against this, have been um, uh, looking at what the city is proposing to do and is not on side. What, what kind of wrench is this thrown into the process?
3: Well, certainly we saw a big wrench uh, last year. Um, You know, this is a project that the city's uh, very eager to get completed. Originally, we were supposed to get it done by the end of 2022. Um, And here we sit in March of 2023 and and we weren't able to get started, which has come at some significant cost to the city to the tune of uh, around $1.2 million uh, to date. And I should say, I say to the city, but I mean to the community. You know, we've been trying to, uh, to work with the Haudenosaunee Confederacy who have expressed concerns about this project. Uh, unfortunately, uh, we haven't had, uh, despite numerous opportunities, we haven't had any real substantive talks about the work and, and haven't been able to explain, you know, exactly what it is that we're doing and what the protections are in
0: place for all the natural environment as we conduct the work. Our guest on Good Morning Hamilton on 900 CHML is Nick Winters, Director of Water for the City of Hamilton. We're talking about the uh, dredging work that's expected to be done this year at Shadow Creek after 24 billion liters of sewage was uh, inadvertently spilled into the creek. To that end, I would think that everyone, you know, Indigenous people included, would want to clean up this site ASAP. So what's the issue?
3: Yeah, all we've heard uh, repeatedly is that there are concerns with the project, uh, particularly from uh, the respect of, of treaty rights, so hunting, uh, gathering, and harvesting. Uh, you know, we ask for some specifics about what those concerns are, but unfortunately we haven't had any of those questions answered.
0: In regards to the appeal, what happens now? Uh, so City Council
3: uh, last Thursday at a special council meeting voted to to move forward with an appeal of the order. Uh, so we are required to submit um, the necessary paperwork to the Minister uh, Ministry of the Environment, Conservation, and Parks, uh, by the end of day this Friday. Uh, and after that, there would be a hearing scheduled at the Ontario Land Tribunal. Uh, that's a process that could take a, a few months um, unless we're granted emergency status, which we're seeking. And the tribunal would hear arguments from both the ministry and from the city and determine whether or not uh, an appeal is is upheld.
0: I would think this falls into the emergency category, given that, you know, if if you can't start in May, I mean, if you're starting in June and they expect it to be done in August, uh, that's not going to compute into uh, you know, a, a well-produced project.
3: That's certainly our perspective as well. Uh, like I said, um, this is an important project for the community, and it's always been the city's intention to, to remediate the spill as possible. Uh, we need to get this done.
0: Nick, good luck with this. We'll uh, touch base with you down the road. Thank you very much, Rick. Have an excellent day. You too. That's Nick Winters, Director of Water with the City of Hamilton.
1: You're listening to the Good Morning Hamilton podcast from 900 CHML.
0: Day one of March break. Yes, all the kids are relaxing, sleeping in. I'm not sure what they have planned for the week. You might have something planned for them. Maybe your grandkids. If you think, oh, we got to keep them busy during the week. I don't want to play babysitter all week. Let someone else deal with them. (laughs) Whether it's a camp or a, a day trip or some kind of event you have planned, it's uh, it's exciting. March break is an exciting time. It can also be a time where you go a little overboard and your bank account really feels it at the end of the week. Paul Anachuk is the Vice President's Licensed Insolvency Trustee at BDO Debt Solutions and joins us now on GMH. Paul, good morning. How are you?
4: Rick, I'm doing great. Uh, it, it is Monday. It's the first day of uh, March break and... Unfortunately, my kids are still sleeping in uh, right now, so (laughs) it's quiet in the house.
0: That's good. Uh, Step one for this week, I guess we should all take stock of where we are financially.
4: That's right. It's important to plan ahead. And in order to plan ahead, you really need to know where you're sitting right now financially. You know, take a look. Have you had money set aside for this week? Are you going to be, you know, cutting some expenses so that you can enjoy the family time. And once you really have that budget, you really know what you're gonna be able to spend for the rest of the week
0: there's also, you know social media is is good and bad, and it's good in the sense of you know people sharing uh, memories on March break, of maybe places they visited or just maybe they're doing a jigsaw puzzle at home, whatever the case is. But it can also do a lot of damage in terms of that fomo, that fear of missing out. how do you how do you sidestep this kind of mentality?
4: Well, you have to remember a couple of things about social media. You know, the fear of missing out is big when it comes to social media, especially Instagram, Twitter. Uh, you know, because the kids are always on that as well. Not only are the kids, but the parents are now also active on social media. The thing is, you're only seeing the best shots on social media. You know, you see the smiles at the restaurants. However, what you don't see is what's happening sometimes in the background. You know, is one of the ch- children tired? Are they having a meltdown? Are you getting a little stressed? Those are the things that you never really see on social media. So remember, yeah, it's about that one shot to keep in your mind. However, you have the whole week to build upon it. It doesn't have to be perfect all the time. And that's the thing about life. It's great, but it doesn't always have to be perfect.
0: You've been on the show numerous times talking about the need for a budget. And we know that about half Canadians have a budget, the other half Kind of flying by the seat of their pants. When it comes to this week, should should you have a March week budget?
4: Exactly. March week budget is very important. Planning ahead is very key because by planning ahead, you know what you're going to do for most of the week. But you also know what the costs are associated with it. Once you have that budget, you know what, that's when you can really sit down and plan. And not only, you know, plan yourself, but involve your family with the March break budget. Talk to your kids about money right now. It's important to get them involved. You know, even give them a certain portion of the money set aside. Say, okay, what would you like to do? Let, how about you plan it out? How about you take a look what's available out there? Come back to us. And, and you actually might be shocked about your kids because they are so active on social media. Sometimes they know the prices more than we do.
0: And that goes a long way to financial literacy. And I know that schools are slowly starting to incorporate that into their curriculum, teaching kids about money, how to use money, and some of the pitfalls that are out there.
4: That's right. It's it's great to see. Um, really, we know that a lot of Canadians are financially illiterate. Now, that is a concern. And why is it a concern? Well, because it shows that, uh, you know what, we have learned it from the past. It's the mistakes we have made in the past. It's the things that we don't want to occur in the future again. You know involve your kids early. You know And when we talk about involving your kids early this week, you know, it's something as simple as, you know, if they're three or four or five, you know, you can tailor things around them that's going to help with their financial literacy. Play those games, play games like shopping games, teach them the value of a dollar.
0: And this March break, I mean, there's some families that are going to go away. They might, you know, take a trip down south or maybe go to the States or elsewhere in Canada or Ontario. At the end of the day, you, you don't have to spend money to have fun. You can do a lot of things at home or with family locally that are going to, you know, provide those lasting memories.
4: Hey, we live in the Hamilton area. It's To me, it's uh, and a lot of people, it's the best place on earth. Take a look at what we have. Take a look at what we have in our own backyard. You know, a lot of people don't realize, you know, City of Hamilton has a lot of programs this week. Take a look at City of Hamilton's website. You know, they have opened some of their rinks during the day. They have the swimming pools available during the day. But there's a lot of free activities around. Hiking through the valley for a good example. Or even a walk on the rail trail. You know, looking outside right now, we still have this beautiful snow. So take the time and enjoy it. If you're outside having a hike, that's where you might actually get that perfect picture that's going to go on social media.
0: Yeah, great tips and advice, as always, from Paul Onatchik, Vice President Licensed Insolvency Trustee at BDO Debt Solutions. If you're finding uh, little things uh, tight financially, you can always give them a call at 905-521-1008, 524-1008, or online bdodebt.ca. Paul, always appreciate the time. Thanks for joining us today. Thanks, Rick. Have a good day. You too. Paul Anachek from BDO Debt Solutions, and he mentioned the city of Hamilton offering some March Break activities. There is free skating at many of the arenas in the city. And uh, there's also March Break events at places like Dundurn National Historic Site, Battlefield House Museum and Park, as well as uh, there's a, a cool art and science uh, presentation by the Hamilton Children's Museum at Dundurn Castle as well. So lots to see and do and uh, a lot of free things to partake in this March Break As well, you're
1: listening to the Good Morning Hamilton podcast from 900 CHML
0: McMaster University. Waking up on Sunday morning, and well, still this morning, as Forsyth Cup champions, and you're probably thinking, "Well, what is that?" Well, that is the OUA Men's Volleyball Championship Trophy, and for the second year in a row, Mac are the champs, and not only that, but they're going to the National Championship, the U Sports Men's Volleyball Championship, later this week. And when I say going, they're hosting the thing. Yeah, it's at McMaster University. It all kicks off this coming Friday. And here to talk about it is the head coach of the men's volleyball team at MAC, Dave Preston. Dave, good morning. How are you?
5: Good morning, Rick. How are you doing?
0: I'm good. Probably not as good as you after a 25-14, 25-16, 25-21 victory over Windsor to win your second straight OUA Championship on Saturday. Great way to cap off the OUA season, I'd say.
5: Yeah, you know what? I was really proud of the way the guys handled not just the game itself, but the preparation leading up to. Uh, They did a really, really good job of uh, kind of staying focused and uh, managing some of the distractions and trying not to look too far ahead, knowing what we've got in front of us. But, uh, yeah, I thought they did a really, really good job. Very proud of them.
0: It's McMaster's 12th Forsyth Cup victory, and now you guys are the number two seed at the U Sports Tournament, which begins on Friday. Is that a fair
5: seeding? I I, I guess it it all depends on what lens you look at it through. Um, I thought we've had a pretty good season. I think when you get down to the top eight teams in the the country, you're probably splitting hairs. Um, So, um, yeah, I think it's... uh, I, th- I think, you know, anywhere between, uh, probably two and six would have been okay. Um, Alberta has been a front runner all season and I think it would have been, uh, uh, probably, uh, a shock if anybody had, had, uh, unseated them, but, uh, anywhere from two to six probably would have made sense to me.
0: Well, you're the number two seed. You take mm-hmm. on the University of Saskatchewan Huskies Friday at 6 PM. What do you know about the Huskies?
5: I know they're really well coached. They're very athletic. Uh, they've had a tremendous program uh, for a long time. Uh, Sean McKay is a former OUA athlete. Uh, he was uh, a former Western Mustang, and he's done a great job with those men. So, um, yeah, they, they're uh, they're fun to watch. I was uh, watching some tape yesterday on them, and uh, yeah, they're they're athletic. Um, I, one of their young men I've played with, or he played for us. Uh, in the 2019 Fichu Games, uh, Dylan Mortensen, uh, they're opposite. So I'm a little bit familiar with Dylan. Um and some of the other guys are just, they're just, they're really athletic and they're very well coached. Dave
0: Preston is our guest on Good Morning Hamilton on 900 CHML. Dave is the head coach of the Master Men's Volleyball Team, coming off another OUA Championship, now hosting the U Sports Men's Volleyball Championship this week. It all tips off on Friday. You can get your tickets online at usports.ca. What's it going to be like playing for a national championship at home with tons of Mac fans in the stands?
5: Uh, yeah, hem- emphasis on tons of Mac fans. Um, j- just the OUA championships on Saturday, Rick like the, the place sold out uh, ahead of time by I think it was two o'clock. Game time wasn't until six. Uh, so th- that environment is unbelievable. I'm so happy, grateful I guess that uh, our student athletes get to experience that and competing for any championship, uh, OUA, but more importantly even the national championship in front of your home crowd uh it's it's a tremendous feeling that the bridge gym was absolutely electric on saturday night um so yeah it's uh it's 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 the environment that i really envisioned that we wanted for our student athletes
0: you've been at this tournament a few times in the past what can you relay to the players who are going to be playing perhaps for the first time in this setting
5: i think the biggest thing is that when the whistle goes same game, it's managing distractions around it. Right. So, uh, there's a few more bells and whistles to it. Uh, you know, you know, the, the all Canadian banquet on Thursday and, and, um, some of the formalities around it, but otherwise when the whistle blows, it's the same game, right? They don't, they don't score differently and you don't play differently. So I think the biggest thing, and I think that transitions into life too, you know, Day-to-day, it's pretty much the same stuff. It's just managing distraction.
0: Th- there's obviously a pressure playing in this tournament, whether you're a coach or you're a player, whatever the case is. Is it a little easier given
5: that you're at home? Um, I th- <clears throat> I'm not. I don't know if it – I think it's just different. I don't know if it's easier. I think it's just different. Um, I think when you're, when you're in that environment and – you know, the way I define pressure is if, you know, if the level of expectation outside of our team room is higher than the level of expectation within our team room. And I don't think any of these guys want more than anybody outside of our team room or, or any less. So I should, I should just clarify that. So I think the level of expectation inside our team room is very, very high. So I don't think anybody expects more of us than a guy inside our team room. So, I, I think in that regard, I think they'll feel excitement. Uh, I think they'll feel adrenaline. Uh, but in terms of, of pressure, I don't know if that changes if you're on the road or at home. I think it's just a, a level of expectation that you have out of yourself and how much work you've put in to get there.
0: Wasn't too long ago that we had you on the show talking about your impending retirement after this season. How cool would it be to go out as a national champion?
5: Yeah, um, I, I got a couple matches prior to that, but uh, you know you don't get to write your own finish. Uh, that's that's you know I wish that were the case, but we all know that that's not the case. So, uh, but uh, that's definitely the goal. So I'll talk to you Monday morning um, and, uh, and I'll let you know. But, uh, yeah, I, I, you know, I, right now it's not about me. It's about the student athletes and making sure they're prepared for the challenge that's in front of them. So as far as I know, in my 30 years of experience, coaches never scored a point. So, it's my job to make sure these guys are ready to play on Friday night.
0: Should be a phenomenal tournament, uh, I am sure. Dave, congratulations on all you've achieved thus far and good luck this week. Appreciate it, Rick.
5: Thanks for having me on.
0: At a state, Preston, head coach of the men's volleyball team at McMaster University, another OUA title this past weekend. They're going for a national championship. It starts Friday at McMaster. You can get your tickets online usports.ca Mac will take on Saskatchewan in round one. Uh, Alberta's the top seed. Trinity Western number three. Sherbrooke listed fourth. Windsor fifth. Montreal sixth. And the Toronto Varsity Blues installed as the eighth seed. Should be uh, a lot of fun this week at Mac.
1: You're listening to the Good Morning Hamilton podcast from 900 CHML.
0: There are more and more cases of liver disease in this country than ever before. And to that end, the Canadian Liver Foundation is doing its best to make you aware of what's going on. Holly Ninecamp is a senior manager in the marketing and communications department at the Canadian Liver Foundation and joins us now on Good Morning Hamilton. Holly, good morning. How are you?
6: Good morning. I'm doing well. How are you?
0: I'm good. First things first, what, what does the liver do?
6: Yeah, so that's a great question. The liver, we like to say, is a powerhouse organ. Uh, it's one of the largest and most important organs in the body. It virtually processes everything that we eat, drink, breathe, breathe in and put on our skin. In fact, it has over 500 functions, including providing energy, regulating hormones, processing alcohol and drugs and medications, as well as producing bile. I did it's not, really essential to
0: life yeah obviously I did not know the liver was the size of a rugby ball but boy does it do uh, it does a lot of stuff
6: yeah absolutely
0: the uh, Canadian liver foundation has launched its uh, just ask campaign this month what, what is the goal of this campaign
6: so the goal of the campaign is to really encourage Canadians to use this month to tune into their liver health. So that can be anything from learning more about what the liver does to learning more about specific liver diseases. Um, we're running this campaign primarily on social media, um, and we're encouraging uh, Canadians to submit their questions big or small uh, at liver.ca slash just ask. Um, we have a panel of experts who are ready and willing to answer uh, questions. This panel includes members like hepatologists to mental health experts to dietitians, and they're really there to answer any questions that Canadians might have about liver disease and to really increase their awareness overall about the importance of liver function and health.
0: We're hearing uh, that more and more Canadians are getting some bad news about their liver. Why is this issue all of a sudden, at at least it seems, getting worse?
6: Yeah, it's, it's actually quite striking. So about a decade ago, A Decade ago, we were looking about um, 1 in 10 Canadians who had liver disease or were affected by it, and now it's approximately at 1 in 4. Um, This is partially due to, um, you know, lifestyle choices that we're making that we don't always associate with causing us a tremendous amount of harm. So, in the cases of preventable liver diseases like fatty liver disease, for instance, that's things like food portions, um, a lack of physical activity in our day-to-day. We're also seeing things like childhood obesity uh, linked to an early onset of fatty liver disease, um, even things like increased alcohol consumption, especially during the pandemic. It's resulting in uh, more cases of advanced liver disease, and, um, and, you know, things like chronic hepatitis B and C, which are also leading to things like cirrhosis or liver scarring, are also causing that increase in liver disease and liver cancer. Um, the reality is, though, is that many forms are preventable, which is, you know, why we're really here this month and trying to raise the awareness.
0: Our guest on Good Morning Hamilton on 900 CHML, Holly Camp is with the Canadian Liver Foundation. It is Liver Health Month, and we're all encouraging you to go online to liver.ca forward slash just ask and find out more about liver health. Are there warning signs or red flags that will alert us to think of, hey, I should get my liver checked out?
6: So the tricky thing about liver disease is, you know, that your liver is such a powerhouse organ and is so resilient that often you don't see the signs until your, your liver has actually had some significant damage. We do tell people to look out for some common symptoms like fatigue, swelling of the legs and abdomen. Um, as well as, uh, you know, jaundice of eyes and skin. It's not always clear. So we really do encourage Canadians to connect with their family doctors um, if they think they might be at risk.
0: With more and more Canadians uh, affected by liver disease now more than ever before, is, is cases of liver cancer also on the rise?
6: Yes, we are seeing increased cases of liver cancer and it does have the similar things like um fatty liver disease, uh, hepatitis B and C as well as alcohol Uh, related liver complications. Those are the main factors and the reason why we're seeing that rise there.
0: Holly Campy is our guest on Good Morning Hamilton on 900 CHML. Holly is a senior manager of marketing and communications with Canadian Liver Foundation. We're talking about Liver Health Month and how you uh, can improve your liver health. Uh, What can we do?
6: Yeah, so uh, the things that we encourage people to do for uh, general liver health is very similar to what you would do for your overall health. So that's things like eating well, um, limiting alcohol intake and you know following the guidelines um getting vaccinated for hepatitis uh, B and uh, a uh, as well as maintaining physical activity some things that people don't realize the liver actually does is uh, processing the air that you breathe in so we even tell people like things like when they're using household chemicals in their homes to wear a mask um, and gloves on their skin to help protect that way. Um, and you, you can also use your medications um, wisely and as they're listed on the bottles, whether they're prescription or over-the-counter. So those are just some easy easy ways to increase your overall liver health.
0: Yeah, great tips. Uh, no doubt about that. Holly, really appreciate your time today and uh, best of luck with the campaign.
6: Thank you so much for having me.
0: That is Holly Neinkamp, Senior Manager, Marketing and Communications with the Canadian Liver Foundation. Again, more details online at liver.ca forward slash Just Ask and the Just Ask campaign, which is proceeding for the rest of this month from the Canadian Liver Foundation, encouraging you to talk to your physician, talk to a medical professional about... Your liver health, if you feel some or see some warning signs, be sure to get uh, some uh, information on how you can correct that issue. Well, it's really hard to believe that. One in four Canadians may be affected by liver disease now. And as Holly mentioned, non-alcoholic fatty liver disease, the most common form of liver disease in this country, which uh, affects 25% of Canadians young and old. It's not just one kind of demographic or age group that is being impacted here.
1: You're listening to the Good Morning Hamilton podcast from 900 CHML.
0: Prepared to be wowed. If you've never experienced it before, brace yourself. And in a good way. It's called Illumi Toronto. It's a dazzling world of lights by Cavalia. And it's entertaining crowds young and old. Rachel Massey is the coordinator at Illumi and joins us now on Good Morning Hamilton. Rachel, good morning. How are you? Good
7: morning. I'm great. How are you doing today? I'm
0: fantastic. Bring us into the world of Illumi. What can we experience?
7: Oh my gosh, it's unbelievable. So we have about 600,000 square feet of land. And when you come on site, you'll see 14 unique universes, everything from the Infinite Poles, which has penguins and igloos, um, the Magic Lanterns, which has koi fish and dragons. You know, there's something different around every corner. It's a two-kilometer walk outdoors. And yeah, you just follow the path and you get to see 14 universes made of of lights. There are over 20 million lights that make up these universes.
0: Where does this all take place and how long does it run for?
7: Uh, we are in the north end of Mississauga on here, Ontario, and Derry. And we're here until April 9th.
0: And you said there's 14 universes. So what, what, mm-hmm. is, what does that mean?
7: Yeah, so each universe is basically like a, an area that has a theme. So, for example, we have Europea place, is what we call it. And you go in there and you're fully immersed in this world that is based on a European town square. And then as you continue along the walking path, you'll be fully immersed in something new. So that next universe, as we call it, will have completely new music, completely differently themed lights. So it's like instead of seeing one light show, you're seeing 14 completely different ones with completely different music and a completely different theme. Hmm.
0: So with 14 universes and millions upon millions of lights, how long does it take to go through this entire experience?
7: We say give it about 75 minutes. People, the range is insane because you can come in and you can do it. And 40 minutes if, if you want to do a quick walk, but some families stay for up to three hours because The kids get so enraptured in it. You can get up close to all the structures. We have over 20,000 light structures, and you can touch them all if you want. So, you know, people get really into it, and, and kids especially want to stay for quite a long time and you're allowed to and we encourage that.
0: It is a, a great uh, experience especially for March break anyone interested in wanting to uh, experience Illumi Toronto can go online to toronto.illumi.com and that's I-L-L-U-M-I.com. Which universe is your favorite and which ones are getting the most talked about I guess from people who go through this exhibit?
7: Yeah well my personal favorite is the infinite poles because I love the little penguins i think they're so cute and you can go and like duck into igloos you can sit in the mouth of a whale i just find the infinite pool so interactive and fun and very immersive it's very big it's surrounded by mirrors so it looks like it goes on forever basically and you know we got the survey results and the favorite is the magic lanterns it's an asia inspired universe where there's You know, everything is handcrafted with silk in that universe. All of the structures are handmade lanterns. And so people, I think, really enjoy the vibrant colors. And that's another really beautiful one.
0: Some of the the fun part of going to things like this is just to see other people's reaction to what you're seeing or experiencing. Can you relate to that as well?
7: Yeah, absolutely. I I think working there, it's kind of a fun experience when you get to, to take your your family and they're seeing something for the first time that you've seen a million times. And then you go, like, you see it with fresh eyes almost and you're like, wow, this is, you know, truly amazing. And, you know, you can also see just walking around the looks on kids' faces, the way that they're reacting to everything, because it's so larger than life. It's hard to explain, but, you know, you are seeing people, being wowed and you're seeing them being wowed a lot
0: (laughs) for tickets to Illumi Toronto a dazzling world of lights by Cavalia head online to toronto.illumi.com last one for you Rachel what is the best time or the best time of day to experience Illumi Toronto
7: yeah so we are an evening event so when the sun goes down we we are up and so you know I say whatever time works best for you. I think the earlier time slots are great for families and we're open every single night this March break. So, you know, this week is just a really great time to come. If you've been having trouble getting out or you want to come see it again, this week we're open every single night. So, There's no reason not to
0: come out. Absolutely, and the weather's supposed to participate as well, so that's a good sign too. Rachel, thanks for this. Congratulations on uh, what uh, Illumi has already showcased to uh, millions of people around the world, and uh, best of luck with this during March break. Thank you so much. That is Rachel Massey, coordinator with Illumi. You can head online again to toronto.illumi.com.
1: Thanks for listening to the Good Morning Hamilton podcast. You can listen to the show live weekday mornings from 530 to 9 on 900CHML and online at 900CHML.com.
0: The Good Morning Hamilton podcast is available on Apple Podcast, Google Podcast, and wherever you get your favorite podcast. I'm Rick Samprin. Thanks again for listening. And don't forget to subscribe to the podcast. It's free so you never miss an episode, and make sure you rate and review.